we're going to Acts, the second chapter this evening. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, once you hold up your hand, maybe you got three or four Bibles at home, but you didn't bring one with you tonight, hold up your hand, use one of ours, make the effort to turn to the Scripture, let your eyes rest on it, reverence the Word. How many read your chapters this week? Let me see. Oh, yeah. That looks good. Now, I'm looking to see if you raised your hand by the Internet there. Uh, you, should, you should have raised your hand. And uh, it's widely known across the Ozarks and now far beyond that everybody. Now, stop. That includes e-members. Everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. Absolutely. Now we read today, what was it, Luke? No, Mark 13. Is that what it was? 12. 12. 13 is Monday. Am I right? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. So uh, now if you're here in the building, we've got the little uh, bookmarker that's got the chapter marked, which one you read. Go back and pick one of those up. They're free. And if we can send you one, if you want to write in for it by internet. Um, so Monday we'll be reading Mark 13 and then every day, of course, Tuesday's 14. You don't read all five on Friday. You don't read all five on Monday and say, whoo, I got it, I'm done. No, you read it when you're fresh, when you're alert. You read it out loud. Uh, get all your family together. Y'all read it together. Nothing else going on. You, you don't rush through it. You, you feed your, your faith. You feed your spirit. And it will absolutely change your life as much as anything you can do. If somebody asked me, Brother Keith, if you, if you had to say, name a couple of things that have helped you spiritually and helped you in your walk with God more than anything else, what would you say? I wouldn't hesitate. Number one, reading the Bible. Some said of for sure, for sure, number one, above everything, way above everything, number one, not, not reading people's books about the Bible, not, reading the Bible, yeah. reading the Bible, yeah. right? Yeah. Number two, praying. I said, well, I thought prayer is number one. You don't even know how to pray if you don't know the word yeah. and you won't pray in faith yeah. if you don't know the word. So much praying is vain praying. And wasted prayer. Because people don't pray. and They don't come according to the word. In fact the scripture says. If you turn away your ear. From hearing the word. Your prayer would even be an abomination. If you pray crosswise of the word. Uh, you'd have been better off. Not to have prayed that time. So no. The word's number one. Which is another way of saying. The Lord's number one. Because he is the word. Acts 2. Acts 2 and verse 22 says, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. And he goes on to preach about him being crucified and, and raised from the dead. 
He's preaching the gospel. But I just want you to notice that one part there tonight. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. Everybody say a man man. approved Approved. of God. God. Now let's pray and release our faith. Father, we thank you tonight for everything that's already happened. We just know in our spirit that many healings and deliverances and cleansings and restorations are happening, have happened and are happening. Thank you for it. Lord, we we are all looking to you right now. Our eyes are on you. Give us ears that hear and a heart open and receptive. Thank you for giving us answers tonight. Direction, solution to problems, things that people have dealt with for a long time. But tonight, you can reveal it so that it is no longer a difficulty. And Lord, we are not just hearers only, but by your grace, we are and will be doers. Doers, and we know as we do, we will be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. But we didn't quite get that done. Everybody say it out loud. Now, don't, don't just say it to be parroting me. Say it out loud. Uh, Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, speak to my heart. Cause revelation to come. Cause revelation to come. Inside, me. Inside me. Light. Light. To dawn on me. Dawn on me. And, I'll do it. and I'll do it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. How many know this is not just all up to the preacher when we have get do things like this? The utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. The text says Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know him? If you don't, you need to get to tonight. A man, a man, everybody say a man. Was he, is he a man? Yes. And also God. And people try to explain that and are really unable. But you can believe what you cannot explain. You can believe what you do not understand. Right? Uh, Like Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, used to always say as a little boy, he could not understand how a brown cow could eat green grass, give white milk, churn it and make yellow butter. He couldn't figure that out. As a little boy, he'd watch it, but he couldn't figure But all the time he's trying to figure it, he's a drinking the milk and eating the butter. Can you enjoy the benefits of something and you don't understand it? Oh, sure you can. You, you don't fully understand how Jesus shedding his blood paid for your sins and washed them. You might have a little bit, but you can enjoy the benefits of it without understanding. You don't fully understand how that by his stripes you're healed, but you can believe it, right? And and while you're getting more light on it, you can enjoy it, right? And so here he says, Jesus, uh, how God approved Jesus of Nazareth, a man. He's approved of God. Everybody say approved of God. God. Now that's our message this evening. Approved. Approved of God. Now you know, you see in the scripture, Jesus referred, the master I should say, referred to a a number of different ways. 
Sometimes it'll just say Jesus. Sometimes it'll say Jesus of Nazareth like this. Sometimes it'll say Jesus Christ. Sometimes it'll just say Christ. Sometimes it'll say Christ Jesus. Well, the arrangement is significant every time. Uh, Here, notice it does not say Christ. Because it's emphasizing his humanity. Jesus is his name like Keith is my name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> Anybody know what Christ, you know, people, people even use it as a byword. You know, uh, something happened and they proclaim Jesus Christ. And that's, that is uh, using the Lord's name in vain. It's as bad as linking damn and God together. People don't see it. Uh, you know, people think it's cute. You know, teenagers, uh, uh, they've been watching uh, too many movies and they'll, you know, they, they slap their hands and go, oh my God. That's, that is violating one of the Ten Commandments. It's using the Lord's name in vain. Did you hear me? When you say God or you say Jesus, you need to either be talking to them or about them. Right? Anything else is vain usage of the name and it's disrespectful. Very disrespectful. It is not okay in any stretch. So let's, uh, let's get away from all this ungodly, worldly stuff, right? It's real simple. If you say God, what should you be doing? Talking to Him or about Him, right? No byword. Same thing with Jesus. Same thing, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So what does Christ mean? It's not Jesus' last name. It means anointed one. Oh, the anointing that destroys every yoke and removes every burden. Oh, thank God for the anointing. But see, it's not emphasizing that here, is it? Christ is not mentioned. So here you can see the emphasis, Jesus of Nazareth. I know that sounds strange to you, but it'd be like saying Keith from Branson. Jesus is his name. Nazareth is where he's from, right? Then what is it going to say? A man. So again, the emphasis is what? His humanity, right? Well, we we should be able to relate to that. A man. And, of course, a, a, a woman is a female man. Bible talk. So a man, man or woman, a man, a person. What was the next phrase? Approved, approved of God. Now, how did God approve him? Keep reading. What? By miracles? He's approved of God by miracles and wonders and signs, which he did, no, which God did by him. Somebody said, well, yeah, he, he's God, though, so he did it. No, Jesus, uh, the Bible said in Philippians, he emptied himself. He lay, even though he's God from the beginning, he laid aside his mighty weight. And power and glory is God. He did not operate in omniscience and omnipotence on the earth. 
He operated as a man. Are you with me now? See, sometimes the wrong impression is left. Even in people's preaching. People get to preaching and they say, you know, Jesus walked on the water. Why? Because he's God. Jesus raised the dead. Why? Because he's God. He healed the blind eyes. Why? Because he's God. That leaves a, that's a true statement, but it leaves a wrong impression. It leaves the impression that he did it as God. And of course, if he did it as God, then we shouldn't think it's going to happen with us. Because you're not God and I'm not God. But that's contrary to Scripture. Jesus said, if you believe on me, the works that I do, you're going to do also. Right? And greater works than these because I go to the Father. Well, how could we do it if he did it as God? It's not going to happen. And that's why so many people don't even believe that verse. It never occurs to them that the things that happened through Jesus' life and ministry would happen through them. No, most Christians don't believe that. They're not expecting it. Why? Because through centuries of uh, unbiblical teaching, they have the idea that he did it as God. But no, look at it. He, he, he's approved of God. A man, a man, a man. Look at another scripture here. Acts 10. Hold your place there and go to Acts 10. Now notice we just got through reading uh, a man approved of God by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him. God did the miracles and signs and wonders by Jesus the man. Right? Now notice here in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. See again. Emphasizing what? His humanity. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Who was doing it? God was doing it by him and through him and with him. And these things were God's approval. On the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Anybody with us tonight? Now come on, help me with this. Use your faith. I'm already getting excited. Anybody interested in signs and wonders and miracles? Can God use men? Men and women today. Can he do things by and through men and women today like through the man Jesus? Yes. Yes. It's the will of God. Now he's to get all the glory. Because you or me in our own, in my power as Keith, I can't heal anybody. I can't work a miracle. In your own power as you, you can't. The man or woman that said they could lied. Oh, but God through us. Can do anything that pleases him. The, the most astounding signs and wonders and miracles. And we're living in the last days, the, the last and latest that anybody's ever lived. Right? And it's prophesied 
that there are to be signs and wonders in the last days. Right? Well, notice how it works, though. It doesn't just happen indiscriminately. It is, these signs, these wonders, these miracles are the approval of God. Now go back with me to the book of Matthew and let's look at how this happened in the life of Jesus because he is our ultimate example. Matthew the third chapter. Glory to God. Matthew 3. Did you notice that it said how God anointed Jesus? Now see, if Jesus is doing the things, that the, the healings, the miracles, the, the deliverances, raising the dead... Walking on the water. If he's doing those things as God, he would not need to be anointed to do it. The anointer does not need to be anointed. Right? And there are some apocryphal writings. I don't know if you know what I mean, that word means, but uh, extra to the Bible. That will have Jesus as a little child. Doing miracles. Some of these writings will have Jesus as a little, you know, child, three and four years old, uh, raising little birds from the dead and, and healing his little play friends. And don't believe it. I said, don't believe it. Why? Because the Bible tells us the first miracle, tells us what it was. Anybody remember in the book of John? Changing of water into wine. The it was the first, the beginning of miracles. Well, then you say anything other than that, and you've contradicted the Bible. Well, he's just as much the son of God when he was three, or five, or ten, or twelve, or fifteen, or twenty, or twenty-five. But uh, you'd have to contradict the scripture to say that there were any miracles and signs and wonders before when he was uh, baptized in the river Jordan. Right? Why? Because as a man, he, he emptied himself, he became like other men, and as a man, he had to be anointed. And it's the anointing that does these things, which is a manifestation of God himself. Now, in Matthew 3, and notice verse 13, this is how it happened. Matthew 3, 13, then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you, and you come to me. And Jesus answered, said, suffer it to be so now, and thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness, and he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit of God came upon him. 
Now we know this, you know, immediately after this, he's led into the wilderness. Uh, after the temptation, he comes out in the power of the Spirit, and we begin to see deliverances and healings and miracles and signs. Right? And not before. How God anointed Jesus. And that's when it happened. The Holy Spirit came on him. He saw the Spirit coming on him. Right? Out of heaven came upon him. But he did not immediately begin to minister this way. The next thing that happened was the temptation. Now, before we go to that part, it's the very next chapter here, chapter 4. Of course, this wasn't written in chapter and verse. This all flows together. The very next verse says Jesus was led up uh, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But before we even read this, I want you to notice verse 17 again. What did, what did uh, the Father say? It was so important that he said it audibly out of heaven on this momentous uh, point in Jesus' life. What did he say? This is my beloved Son. What? In whom I am well pleased. Does the does God being well pleased with you, does it mean something? Oh, it hasn't meant enough to people. It should mean everything to us. Whether God is pleased or not pleased with every area of our life. You get this strong enough, you won't have to even preach about holiness. Did you hear me? You won't have to talk about obedience. You won't have to talk about faithfulness. You won't have to talk about character. You won't have to talk about not sinning. (laughs) If from the time you open your eyes to the time you lay your head on the pillow, your one consuming thought is to please God, all these things are going to be covered and taken care of. Right? To please Him. Now, when the Spirit came upon him, of all, how many understand there were a lot of things the Father could have said? I mean, what could he have said? All kind of things he could have said. What did he say? Here comes the anointing on Jesus. I mean, the Bible said the Spirit without measure. And the Father says what? I'm well pleased. Are you seeing the connection here now? God approved Jesus. Before there were any miracles, he was pleased with him. It's not all the works that makes us pleasing to God. He was pleased with him before the ministry. Before the devils were cast out, before the the blind saw and the deaf heard, before the dead were raised, before any of that, the Father was already well pleased. Why? God looks at your heart. He doesn't just look at your works. He looks at your heart. And, And if your heart pleases Him then you're qualifying to be used in the outward works. I I hear ministers talking sometimes, and it doesn't, I don't relate. I don't think they do either if they just think about it. Talking, Talking so much about their personal life 
and their ministry. Personal life and their ministry like they're two different planets. Your ministry is the outflow of your personal life. Right? The things that Jesus said and did, he said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. I do always those things that please him. Well, when did he see them? When did he hear them? How? It was all the time. It, it, was, it was on the bed at night. It, it was eating at the table. It was walking down the road, right? It was the fellowship with God, the communion with God. And through that, God approved him in signs and wonders and miracles. Are you all with me now? Let's keep going. Chapter 4, what happens immediately? All this anointing is on him. And the first thing that happens after all this anointing is on him is tempting and testing. You can't be approved if you're not tested. I mean, just take school. How many know that, you know, somebody said, well, you, you passed and you never took a test. That don't work, right? People do some of that stuff, but the degree means nothing, right? I mean, your degree, your, your, your diploma and your degree and your accomplishment is because you were challenged, Right? You had to study. You had to work. There were some difficulties you had to overcome. And there were some tests. Everybody say tests. Now your flesh don't like that word. But you just might as well smile and, and enjoy it. Because it's part of life. Right? I mean you're not above your master. He was tempted. He was tested. Right? We're not above him. But people look at it as a negative thing, like, oh, no, I don't, let's don't talk about testing, Brother Keith. Yeah, you want to talk about testing because you want to talk about graduation. Yeah. <laughs> right? You want to talk about how much more money you can make with that new degree. Or how, what kind of promotion you can get, right? Or what you want to talk about. Yeah, you want to talk about the benefits, but you don't get the benefits without taking the tests. And passing the tests. You need to know this. God never intends that you fail a test. You hear people sometimes try to leave the impression. Well you know. Uh, God knew I was going to fail this test. And he meant for me to fail it. And, and uh, he's teaching me through it. No, no, no. God never intended for you to fail test. Every time something comes up, the reason he allows it is so he'd have a right to promote you. He can't promote you justly any other way. If God's going to do things for you that he hasn't done for someone else, he's got to have a reason why or else he's unfair. The Bible said he is known by his righteous judgments. There is nobody more fair and more just than God. Oh, he's fair. That's what Romans is talking about. That there's going to be people 
There are right now, and there will be people who try to condemn God and go, that's not right, God. That ain't fair. And the Bible says every mouth is going to be stopped. Everybody is going to, that said that is going to be proved a liar. It's when it says, let God be true. And every man, that's what he's talking about. It's a lot of things people don't see down here, but in time to come, you're going to see it. God was fair. I know uh, years ago when I first started learning about divine healing and began to try to uh, help my people and my family. Some folk, it just made them mad. <laughs> and I didn't have enough sense to <laughs> cool it, you know. I, I pushed it too hard, I did. Just like some of you. That's one way that's one way you learn. But I had an uncle who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer of the lungs. And I mean he had wasted to nothing. He was a heavy smoker all his life and, and they did everybody just expected him to die. But I thought, you don't have to die. I began to get word to him and books and tapes. And I went and visited him. He lived some hours away from me, but we drove and saw him a time or two. And, and uh, his, his family sometimes would come around and say, I sure appreciate you coming, trying to console so-and-so. I wasn't trying to console him. <laughs> we, we wanted to get healed and live and not die right now. So we just kept on. And one day... You know, he, he, he didn't understand these things. It was all brand new to him. But you know, when you're dying, you get serious about it. I mean, sometimes people tell me, I don't believe in You wait till you need one. You'll be a lot more open. And he, come, he came one day. I mean, just emaciated skin and bone. He came one day out of bed and went to the, uh, came to the kitchen and just kind of holding on to the door facing. And he said, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the glory of God. He'd been, he'd been in the scripture and the word. Well, his family he, he cried. They were standing in the room. They said, it's gone to his brain. It's affected his mind. <laughs> it sure wasn't their faith that was helping him out, was it, man? Whew. That, do you know that makes it so much harder? When your whole household is crying and feeling sorry for you and you're trying to believe God, it makes it a hundred times harder than it has to be. But to his credit, he didn't care what they thought. He stuck to it. He was on it. He began to get better. Against all prediction, he began to get better and got better and got better and got better and got better began to eat and put on weight and he grew his hair back and glory to God he went back to work and was healed now I saw that and I got so excited about it and about it was about five years after that I had another uncle who had cancer, seemed very similar got Went down to death's door. I thought, well, hey, been there, done that. I mean, you know, let's do it again, right? Which is the right way to think. So, boy, we jumped on it. And and he talked better than the other guy. He was closer to me. I could see him more. 
got the materials, and I'd go and sit and we'd talk to him by the bed or by phone. And man, he talked good. By his stripes, I'm healed. I'm, I'm going to live and not die. I mean, he, he talked better than the other guy. He got worse, and he got worse, and he got worse, and he died. Well, I wasn't feeling too hot about that. Now, how many know that at, at points like this is where people get off? At places like this now is where people create these new doctrines. Well, it just must not have been God's will. Because you know God's ways are mysterious. And he needed another angel. And, and God just needed him more up there than we did down here. And we just don't understand. And God, for his own reasons, took him. And you just need to accept that. No. No. That's not Bible. That's people explaining why it didn't work. You might wonder why I raised my voice and I get so out of my... Because people die believing that stuff. That's why millions worldwide and, and over the generations have died before they should have. They could have, could have, should have had longer, more life. But they wouldn't fight it. Because it was the will of God. It's not the Bible. The Bible says fight. The good fight. A faith. Right? Well, we're at the funeral. This is my uncle and my family. We're close. and I'm feeling kind of bad about it. But let me tell you something that will get you through the roughest places in life. I heard a, a teacher of mine in Bible school said this. Well, actually, uh, Brother Mel Piper. We were having Old Testament uh, survey, I believe it was. And, you know, there's a lot of things in there uh, that, you know, seemed pretty hard and harsh and you didn't understand them. And that God said and did this. And he just stopped one day. He said, always stay on God's side. <laughs> I thought, yeah. <laughs> no matter what you think or don't think or understand, stay on God's side. What does that mean? Believe that God knew what he was doing. And he did the right thing. If he didn't do it, he had good reasons why he didn't do it. If he did do it, he had good reasons why he did it. If he let it happen, there were good reasons why he let it happen. Right? If he didn't let it happen, there were good reasons. There were good reasons. Now, that doesn't mean everything that happened was the will of God, but God had good reasons for what he didn't do or what he did do. Stay on God's side. What you do is you don't, you, you stay with God. You don't get over here against him and go, now, why did you do that? I don't understand that. How could a good God do that? You'll hear sometimes unbelievers, and even people that are supposed to be Christians say, I just don't understand. How could a good God let stuff like that? Boy, that, that bothers me. They are casting question on the character of your and my father God. They're saying he, he's got a mean side. He's got a cruel side. No, he does not. He is love. I said he is love. He's never failed. He's never lied to anybody. 
He's never failed to come through for anybody. There's been a lot of people that failed to believe him. That failed to obey him. Say it out loud. Stay on God's side. Always. Stay on God's side. Let me tell you what will get you through some rough places in life. You may not understand what's going on. Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? I don't understand. But if you have to, look up through your tears. Look up through your grief and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't. But I know this. You're a good God. You've never failed me. And you never will. And I trust you. And you know, Job said a lot of things that weren't accurate, but you can hear his heart in this. He said, though he slay me, what? Yet will I trust him. There's something there that is good, even when you don't understand. Well, I didn't understand some things. But through, through the funeral, some things came up, and I was standing kind of behind some of the relatives, and they were talking about it, and some of his children. And uh, they begin to talk about a certain day. This was months before he got so bad. And I realized it was a day I had been there. And how that he called them in and they picked out the casket and, and what songs was to be sung at the funeral and, and talked about this and that. That was months before he even got that bad. I realized I walked out of there. He said what he thought I wanted to hear. But then they're planning to die. He didn't believe it. He told me he did, but he didn't. Did you hear me now? See, I didn't know that. I didn't see that. I didn't hear that. And the more I, the more I learned about it, I began to see God was merciful. He was gracious more than I would have asked him to. It's always that way. There's just a lot of stuff you don't see and a lot of things you don't know. But God's always good. He's always right. He's always fair. He's always just. So stay on his side. How do we get to there? Jesus was led up into this uh, wilderness where he was tempted. He was tested. He was tried. He was tempted. He was pushed to the limits. Did he pass the test? Every one of them. Right? Every test, he passed, he passed, he passed. And then the Bible says, you know, if you read Luke's account of it in Luke 4, it says, after all that, he came out in the power of the Spirit. (laughs) And immediately, spirits begin to cry out and said, we know you. Oh, have you come to torment us? He says, shut up and come out of them. And boy, people begin to get delivered. People begin to get healed. Are you seeing something here now? What happened? He pleased God. He passed the test. And now here comes the approval of God in signs and wonders and miracles. Can you say amen? Oh, when you get a hold of this, you'll get excited about passing tests. Hallelujah. Uh, Man, i got so many ways to go with this. In talking about being approved of God, 
Why don't you be turning with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 9. We must understand that uh, we represent God to the world, don't we? We are the people called by his name. Well, that mean, and we, we're the people who call him Lord. Well, that means that we're saying, I don't just speak my own words. I speak for him. I don't just do my own things. I act on his behalf. Go to 2 Corinthians. Then we'll come back to that. Y'all helping me now, aren't you? Don't. Don't get too comfortable. <laughs> a few folks are too comfortable. So you go ahead and wake up now. Second Corinthians 5, 17. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of what? Of God now. See, before it was just, you know, the Keith Moore show. Or whatever your name is. Right? The Bob show, the Jane show, the Tom show. Your life is you doing what you want to do, the way you want to do it, trying to please you. Right? (laughs) Now, a lot of Christians, that's the way it is right now. But (laughs) it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be, please God, right? Represent God. He went on to say, all things are of God, who's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them, and committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, for the anointed one. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. What does that mean in Christ's stead? Instead of him. Personally, it's who? People are afraid to say that. Instead of him personally, who is it? It's us. In his stead, we're... uh, Compelling people to be reconciled to God because we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. How many know ambassador for the U.S. to another country? An ambassador from another country to us. Are they supposed to, you know, they're sitting down with the president of another country. They're at meetings with dignitaries from another country. And somebody asks them questions about Let's say it's an ambassador from the U.S. and ask some questions about U.S. policy and, and U.S. leadership. Are they supposed to just say, well, let me tell you what I think about that. No. <laughs> I've always believed <laughs> that the country should do this and, and I think this and I feel like this. They better not. Why? They don't speak for themselves. They are the voice of this country. In that situation. Is that right? Well that's what he's telling us we are. For him. 
This hasn't been real enough to us, has it? It hasn't been proclaimed. We haven't thought enough about it. We are his ambassadors. We represent him. So we shouldn't feel so free to just say and do anything that we want to. We should always be thinking, how can I answer this in a way that pleases God? How can I handle this? How can I respond this? Why? Because I represent him. What would, you know, what would the Lord do in this situation? That's what I'm to do because I represent him. You go to a restaurant. You pitch a fit because the order is not right. And then over the course of the conversation, you tell somebody you're with, you go to Faith Life Church. Well, you didn't just represent you that day. You represented everybody that sits beside you and in front of you and behind you. Every faithful person that works on any team. You represented me. You represented Phyllis. You are misrepresented. Right? And the Lord. And there are some people that have never been to Faith Life Church, never heard about Faith Life Church, and they leave thinking, boy, that Faith Life bunch, they are a rude, rude bunch. Unbelievers see that with Christians. Christians, they talk about they go to church and they love God and they pray and they have faith and they just act like a heathen on the job and, and, and cuss somebody out and, and take money and do something underhanded. They say, I don't need that. They think, I don't, what do I want to go to church? I live better than they do. What do I want to be a Christian for? They judged all of Christianity. Well, I, no, I don't want that kind of pressure. You got it. Whether you want it or not, it's yours. You are an ambassador for him. You can't have it both ways. You're either saved and he's your Lord or you're not. If you are, you represent him. Now, a part of our representation, glory to God, is that you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll what? You'll be witnesses. I need a little more help, guys. I'm not just talking about noise. I, I need a little more help. If you, uh, I hadn't preached on this a whole bunch. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing the best I can. But if you, if you get too lax on me, it's like, okay, it's about enough. And, all right. We're going somewhere. Are you with me? Yeah. All right, shake yourself a little bit. Look straight ahead. and Come on, you believe in women now, right? Come on, stay, stay focused. Stay hooked. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We represent him to everybody around us. And part of our... He didn't just give us the job and not give us the ability. To do the job, there's supernatural equipment. To do the job, he has a name. The Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be witnesses. Another way of saying, you you could say, you will be representatives. You will be ambassadors. Not just in word and talk, but in power. In power. What does that mean? Did Jesus fulfill this? Was he a witness? Did he represent the Father God 
properly. Oh. At the end of his ministry, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. They said, show us the Father. We want to know what he's like. He said, guys, you've been with me all this time. What are you talking about? If you've seen me, you have you heard? Did you hear me yesterday? Did you see that message? Did you see that miracle? That is the Father. That's him. What about us? Do we have the same commission? Do we have the same charge? We do. We do. And are people to see God in our lives? Are they to see the Father? Are they to see Jesus in us? And it's not just all talk now. It's got to be in happenings. Manifestations of power. Including miracles. We're not seeing the fullness of it. But we're seeing it. We're seeing some of it. Right? I mean these testimonies. Somebody's facing death and now they're totally healed. That's a miracle. I said that's a miracle. Bound up with something that physicians said they couldn't get free from and now they're totally healed. That's a miracle. Does that represent God? Does that let people see who He is and what He is? He's good. He'll forgive you. He'll heal you. That's Him. Glory to God. But now, you and I should desire to see a fullness of that just like in Jesus' life. To walk in a measure of that like He did. Because He said, if you believe in Me, the works I do, you'll do too. But here's the point now. In order for us to have the degree of power and healing and miracle and sign like He had, We must be approved like he was. And therein has been the problem. Hmm? God must be pleased with us like he was with him. Pleased with our heart. Pleased with our faith. Pleased with our obedience. Right? And then we must pass tests like he did. Right? He passed every test. Turned these stones into bread. He quoted the word. Bow down and worship me. You cast yourself off the pinnacle. Now he quoted the word. He wouldn't bend. Now see, he was tempted. He was pulled. Something, you know, his, his feelings and his flesh wanted to make that stone into bread. But he didn't yield to it. What if he had failed the test? Would he have come out in the power of the Spirit anyway? Would we have seen him approved of God in these miracles anyway? No. And see, that's what's happened to us as a body of Christ. It's why some things that should be happening haven't happened. It's why some problems in life are still there and have been there so long. It's why some things have taken too long. To happen because of not being approved, because of failing tests. But can we do all things through the anointed one who strengthens us? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. 
In 1 Corinthians 9, read this, and then we're going to go to a passage in the Old Testament. Have you got some more time for this tonight? 1 Corinthians 9. There, there is breakthrough revelation in these words tonight. There, there is power and there is light and life to break out of something that's been a cycle for years. A rut that seemingly people have been stuck in for years. If your heart's not satisfied, you think, I want to see more. You know why? Because you're supposed to be seeing it. Deep calls unto deep. If there wasn't a deep out there to call to, your heart wouldn't be reaching for it. God wouldn't torment you with a desire for something that you're not supposed to, not supposed, couldn't be fulfilled. Oh, you know, you never go to God and go, God, I want to see this. And I'm believing for this. And I want to see a lot of this. And he goes, whoa, 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 now that's too much. Just calm down. Never, never, he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all we ever ask or think. No, 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 no. You're not thinking too big for him. Never has happened, never will. But we, we live in a society where grace has been preached and abused as a license to just yield to the flesh and, well, you know, the flesh don't matter that much. God will forgive us, you know. And he will. And you're still saved. But the problem is, you keep failing tests and you're not approved. And not approved, you don't have the manifestations of power in your life. Did you hear me? And you can do that for 40 years, like the Israelites did. You can do that your whole life. Or you can get serious about serving God. You can get serious about pleasing God, right? And you can say, I don't care if I fail that same test 12 times. I'm passing it this time. By the grace of God, I'm passing it. And if you pass the test, pass the test, pass the test, you will come out in the power of the Spirit. And God will be pleased with you and He will approve your life. He will approve you. Whoo, glory to God. He will approve you with miracles, signs, wonders. You. 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 You're in 1 Corinthians 9, right? Good. Again, my, my father in the faith, Brother Hagin, he said a number of years ago, he got hungry in his heart. And he thought, Lord, we're not seeing enough miracles. We're not seeing enough you know, outstanding things. We're not seeing enough signs. He got hungry about it. Got to praying about it, and and got he got to fasting some and and seeking God earnestly. And I guess it was about third day into this, he said the Lord spoke to him to to read the passage there in Mark. In fact, just turn over there. You can hold more than one place. Uh, turn to Mark, into Mark, the sixteenth chapter. And he said the Lord began to speak this to his heart. 
Mark 16. You know, he had told them in, in these signs will follow them that believe in my name, right? In my name, they'll cast out devils, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, they'll drink a deadly thing and will not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover in my name, in my name. That's what he did, right? We represent him, right? That's what we do in his name, representing him in his name. That's what it means. I have so much coming up in my spirit at once here. Can you hold on to that thought? Let me tell you something else. Hold your place there. Uh, One of the ministers so much used of God in miracles in the 50s. I saw an old, old video of this uh, when I first started in ministry. It impressed me. The place was packed. I mean everywhere. And they brought up this little young girl up across the platform, and she was terribly sick. You could see it. Looked like she might just die right there. Little child, beautiful little girl, so deathly ill. And this man stood up, this man of God stood up, he looked across the crowd, and you could tell, you could, the people, they were like, oh, when she came up, do you know that won't heal anybody? Oh, bless her darling heart. That won't heal anybody. Sympathy is nothing to do with faith. And he, he took her up, and he told the people, he said, people, Ask you a question here now. If Jesus was here tonight, standing right here, like we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if he was standing right here and they brought this little girl to him, what do you think would happen? Man, the whole crowd said, he would heal her. You have to believe that if you read the Bible. Nobody ever came to Jesus to be healed and was not healed. Not one time. Ever. He never turned anybody away. He never told anybody to wait. He never told that God was working something out in their life. Never, ever. Never told somebody it wasn't God's will. Never, not once. So you'd have to believe it. That Jesus would heal them. He said, do you believe if Jesus was here, he'd heal her? They said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, he, he's not here in the flesh. But I'm here as his representative. And he has called me and sent me and anointed me in his name. And he relayed his and said, in the name of Jesus, disease, leave this child. Child, be healed. What's he doing? What does it mean in the name of Jesus? I'm speaking on his behalf. He sent me. to. If he was here, he'd do it. But he's not here in the flesh, but he sent me. And I am acting and speaking on his behalf. And if you really are, heaven backs you. And the child was healed. (laughs) Now, who are those kind of signs to follow? Apostles, prophets, what did the text say? Believers. Any believer can lay hands on the sick and do that. Any and every believer. Now look at this. Remember Brother Hagin was praying and 
Lord, why don't we see more miracles? The Lord took him to this passage. And in verse 19, it says, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. He's there. We're here. We're his representatives in this place. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word. With signs following. <laughs> so you, you read this and you read Matthew's account. And you put them all together. He, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So you go in my name. Right? And here he said, you do these other things in my name. And so they did. They went. In his name. And he did what? They, they preached the word. And he did what? He confirmed or approved. Oh, come on, come on, come on now. He, he approved it. <laughs> they preached it. They taught it in his name. And somebody believed it. And God said, yes. <laughs> he approved it. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Now... Brother Hagin, when he, when he read that, he thought, yeah, Lord, I know that. I know that. Yeah. They went everywhere. He could quote it, you know. They went everywhere uh, preaching the word and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Yeah. And he said that he kept praying. It kept coming up into him again. And he realized there's something he's not seeing. He said, well, Lord, I, I believe that. And we're preaching the word. And, and, and I don't, but we don't see enough miracles. We don't see enough outstanding things. And he said the Lord brought it to him. They went everywhere preaching the word. The Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. He said, yeah, I know what, Lord. That's why I preach the word. So the Lord finally told him, he said, check up on what you're preaching. So we like to think we're preaching the word. Are we speaking the word every time we open our mouth? But that's a lofty idea. He said, Lord. He said, the Lord said, you preach the word and I'll confirm the word. Check up on what you're preaching. He thought, Lord, I'm a word preacher. (laughs) He said, you preach the word. I confirm the word. So what does that mean? You don't have much confirmation. What does that mean? Ain't much word. Did you know, a friend of mine told this one time, and uh, I've actually seen this. We've been in a lot of different groups over the years. And... uh, I saw these one preachers in this, they kind of had, had a preaching competition almost, you know. And this one guy said to the other, he could get the whole crowd roaring on their feet and never use one scripture. And he did it. And they were hollering and they were hooping and they were carrying on. And he never, he never said one thing about the word. Can you preach and not preach the word? Oh, yeah. Can you teach and not teach the Word? Yeah. So he began to get earnest and pray about it. And in extended time of seeking God, he began to see that some of what he was preaching was tradition from the first denomination he was in. And, and, and then he began to see that he had already accumulated tradition from these full gospel folks he was with. And then he began to see that some of it was just his, his theory or his opinion. 
His ideas. You see, the Lord is not obligated to confirm everything we say or everything we decide to preach, everything we decide to teach. What does he confirm? He confirms the word. That's why, I'm, you know, I'm not claiming I do that perfectly 100% of the time. But that's why we started this thing off with, where's the scripture? Right? Because <laughs> closer we can stay to that, we're going to see confirmation. God's not obligated to just approve you. What you say and do or to approve me and what I say and do. See, there are people, ministers, that are just so aggravated, even frustrated with God. Well, God, you're not helping me. Why don't you approve? I, I preach my heart out and, and I travel night and day and I work and, and you just, you know, you're not, you're not approving me. He's not obligated to. Well, I'm working so hard for you, Lord. He didn't ask you to. The Bible didn't say we are laborers just out working for the Lord. Laborers together with Him. He did what? He's working with them. He didn't just send you out to go work for the Lord. You work with Him. You say what he says, not what you think. Are you with me now? See, the more, the more we get this uh, corrected, then what are you going to see? More, uh, more, he's going to be more pleased. And then there's going to be more approval, which means more power, more signs. We got to give him something he can confirm. Right? Give him what he can confirm. What can he confirm? What he said. If you'll say what he said, he'll do what you said. If you'll say what he said, he will do what you say. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My, my. Uh, go to Exodus, please. Nah. Go to Deuteronomy 8, and then we'll go to Exodus 16. And I'll try not to drag this out any way I shouldn't, but you know, let's, let's don't be rushed. Let's help me with this now. Let's, let's believe on it. We're seeing some light, but we want to see how to do it, how to fix it, too, right? How to do it, how to change it. Don't beg, you know, people talk about, well, God, you know, why won't you get behind my project? (laughs) God, why don't you finance finance my business? Did he tell you to do that? See, people, they rush too quickly over that thing. God, why won't you help us build our church? Did he tell you to start one? God, I launched out into my own ministry, but it just don't seem like you're helping me. Did he tell you to stay and help the others? See, this happens all the time. And so people are so frustrated, they get aggravated with God. God, why won't you confirm us? Why won't you help us? Why won't you give us the money? He's not obligated to confirm you. You're supposed to be representing him. Saying what he says. Doing what he shows you. 
That's where the confirmation comes. Before you read it, let me read something else to you. In fact, go there. Go there. Hold your place in Deuteronomy 8. Go to Acts 14. Acts 14. It came to pass in Iconium, verse 1. They went together in the synagogue of the Jews, and they so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. Now, speaking boldly how? What's another way of saying this? You could say it like this, speaking in his name. Which would, what would that mean? In his name or in the Lord or by the Spirit. By, what, by whose Spirit? The Spirit of the Lord. What does that mean? They are speaking as his representatives. If he was there in person, that's what he'd have done. Right? He's not there physically in person, but they are there sent by him, called by him, preaching and teaching what he said to do, and they did it for a long time, and what happened? Verse 3, long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. Let's just stop now. If you're speaking for him, you don't have to make apologies. Who's bigger than him? Because you want to make sure you're speaking for him. Right? But when you're speaking for him, it should be boldly. When you come and say, the Lord has sent me with this word. And I'm to say this on his behalf. There is no higher authority. There is no one bigger you could be speaking for. That's why you must not say your own words and preface it within the name of Jesus. He said, long time therefore they abode speaking boldly in the Lord. And the, and the Lord did what? He gave testimony to what? The word of his grace that was coming out of their mouth. And did what? Granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Why? They were representing him well. So he's well pleased in what they're saying and doing. So he confirms it. He testifies. They testified, preached the gospel, what Jesus had done, what he would do. And then he said, yeah, and here it is. All services should be two-part. Our part, his part. Right? We, we say what he said. He said, yep, and here it comes. It takes the pressure off. You say, well, I, I don't know. I'd be afraid to lay hands on somebody. Uh, what, what if they don't get healed? Well, it's for sure they're not if you never do. Amen. No. you got to realize your part and his part. What's my part? Believers will lay hands on the sick. See, people try to make so much more out of that. 
I keep going all these different directions. But, but this is important. People, people try to make so much more out of it. You know, lay hands on the sick. Well, Brother Moore, Brother Mo is sick and I got to heal him. Oh, God. Oh, heal Brother Mo. Heal Brother Mo. Have you ever seen folk pray for people like that? What are they trying to do? Trying to heal him. Hmm? Did the Bible tell you that was your job? What's your job? Hmm? Hammer fist. Huh? Palm strike. Pow. What? What? Lay. 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 Not drop. Swing. Lay. Lay hands. Right? You're his representative. You're his point of contact. That's your part. And then in your heart and mind, you do this. Okay, God. <laughs> your, your part. I laid hands like you said now. Are you with me now? Always. Everything you do. Okay, God. I sowed my seed. Now. Okay. None of this. Mm, I'm believing God. Oh, I just got to keep it on. Keep it on. Keep. I got to believe. It. Yeah, if you don't bust a blood vessel first. You, I know some of this sounds very, very simple, but people are missing it. They're missing it big time. And they'll, they'll carry the weight of something because I, I gotta, I gotta believe for their healing for them. I gotta get it. Oh, I can't sleep tonight. And I, oh, I gotta keep it on my mind. And, and that sounds like worry, which is unbelief, the opposite of faith. You know how I know so much about some of this stuff? Let me tell you another story. <laughs> I grew up Pentecostal boy. Oneness, UPC. Uh, I love people in the UPC. Got a lot of good family in UPC. They give me a lot of good things. And we believed in getting filled with the Holy Ghost. But not receiving, per se. Tearing. So that's all we knew. So we tarried. And we tarried. And we tarried. And I wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost so bad. But that's all I knew was how to tarry. And I tarried and tarried and tarried. I mean, during revivals, I'd start tarrying after church, you know, 9.30 or 10 or 10.30 or whatever. And I, a lot of times, 2 and 3 in the morning, I'd still be tarried. I did this night after night. Not receiving. Tarrying. And the men would help me and they'd slap me on the back and they'd say, hold on, Brother Keith, and turn loose, Brother Keith. And 
say Jesus, Brother Keith, and everything we knew, but we weren't receiving. And finally, I mean, I'm talking about years. Everybody say years. Years Years now of this. Finally, by the mercy and grace of God, I got a hold of Brother Hagin's book on, was it Seven Steps to Receiving the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, and I read those, read that little bitty book in my 1969 uh, mobile home trailer, and at the end of it, it said, just ask the Father for the gift of the Holy Spirit and believe you receive, and then by faith speak, and I thought, nah, I mean, that's, (laughs) that's too easy, I mean... And then I know it was the Lord. Something came to my mind. You've tried everything else. And so I did. And I spoke in tongues right there in my little trailer. And well, now fast forward to a few years, two or three years in the ministry. Then after that, it became my job to lay hands on or, or to minister to people, pray for people to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I have some bad memories. Of trying to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you with me now? It took me years. This is what people do. They go out and preach their experience. Instead of the word. And leave the impression it might take you years too. Until you could develop and get to the holy place. And all that kind of. No it's just a matter. I could have received years before if I knew how. We just didn't know. So I remember distinctly. I, you know I kind of dreaded it. I didn't mind laying hands on people to be healed, but boy, you know, the, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, that was hard for me. It shouldn't have been, but it was. So here's the healing line. Man, I pulled my jacket off. I rolled up my sleeves. I loosened my tie. I thought, oh God, you've got to help us now. And so I'd pray, and like I'm talking about with Mo, man, oh man, oh God. God, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Well, see, that's some of my Pentecostal tradition. And what am I trying to do? I'm trying to fill them. Right? Am I the baptizer in the Holy Ghost? No. Did he tell me to do that? Did he tell me to baptize them in the Holy Ghost? No. It's not my job. We got to get to part two. Right? And I'm not having good sense to know when to back off and let the Lord do His part. Until one day came. I'd I'd prayed about it half the day. Kind of dreaded it. And we had a big bunch of folk wanting to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought, oh God. (laughs) Give me the strength, you know, and I start. And He said, don't you touch them. I said, don't touch them. He said, don't touch them. He's being merciful to them. <laughs> they didn't know it, but they're going to be spared from a lot of shaking and sweating. And <laughs> he said, don't touch him. I thought, don't touch him. He said, don't touch him. Don't pray for him. Just tell them, close their, close their eyes and say, be filled. I thought, that's all? <laughs> you see, 
Why is there so much in the epistles about works versus grace? Oh, it's all through there. And it wasn't just a problem then. It's a problem with humanity. Why? Because the nature of your flesh wants to work it. Make it work. Do it. Produce it. Make it happen. And it's not by works. It's by grace. You don't earn it. You can't sweat enough for it. You can't scream enough for it. It's a free gift. It's already been bought and paid for. You just receive. I thought, Lord, is that right? I, I hesitate. I had them sing a song or something, and I'm thinking, God, what's up? I know that's you. Lord, I don't think one of them will get filled. <laughs> See, my Pentecostal tradition. But finally, I obeyed God. Now, what can he approve? Come on. You might think I've digressed. What can, well, see, this is his word. He just spoke this to me. His word by the Spirit. It's in line with his word in the book. By grace, you see. What does he confirm? He approves his words. He confirms his words. So I said, all right, everybody just close your eyes. The Holy Spirit's already been given. And right now, be filled in Jesus' name. This one started talking in tongues. That one started talking in tongues. That one started talking in tongues. That one started, after a while, the whole house is just talking in tongues. I was just amazed. I thought, God, you did it without me. You just... <laughs> It's like you didn't even need me. He said, no, I needed you to say that. <laughs> Are y'all with me now? Two part, two part. Always, always two part. You do your part and then what? Can y'all see this? In your heart, in your mind, step back, get out of the way. Don't try to do it. You can't. You can't heal yourself. You can't heal somebody else. You can't baptize them or you with the Holy Ghost. You can't give them revelation. You can't deliver them. Are you with me now? You just say, be free in the name of Jesus. Then what do we do? Your turn, Jesus. This is you. Your move. You're up. And just that simple expecting and, and waiting and relying on him to do it, he will show up every time. He will show up every time. Now, friends, this is not just a message tonight that you came and think, oh, praise God, that's good. No, there are people in this room right here, right now, people watching my Internet. You don't lay hands on people. You're supposed to start. Did you hear me now? Go back to Mark 16. I'm just going to close with this tonight for time's sake and because I feel led this way. Uh, The Lord directs us. We'll do more about it later. If not, we'll do whatever he says. What did Jesus' mother say to him? Whatever he says to you. Because that's the thing he can confirm, right? Go to Mark 16 again. Let's remind ourselves. Verse 15. 
Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world. Send us to Branson. That's in the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. You're a creature. He that believes and is baptized to be saved, he that believes not will be damned. And these signs, signs, does that sound familiar? Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, miracles, signs, wonders. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. Now, Now don't get... Goofy and and flaky on this. Anything that is stealing and killing and destroying in somebody's life, it's the work of the enemy. And you have a right in the name of Jesus to command it to stop and get out of their life and leave them. Right? Mothers, daddies, your baby got a fever, your kid got a stomachache. There's some kind of infection or something that they picked up. You don't have to put up with that. You don't rock along and wait till you can find the anointed evangelist next month. Hmm? You lay hands on them. You speak to it in the name of Jesus as his representative. Two parts. What do you do? Huh? You either, if, it's, if it's something bad, you don't even necessarily have to lay hands on it. If it's something that's not there, you just command it to stop and get out of their body. Then what do you do? Expect God to do His part. If it's something that needs to be restored or healed, lay your hand on them. Comes to the next part here. My name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This calls this signs. Did you know we've been having signs around here? Well, Phyllis was reading a while ago. Those are signs. Signs that Jesus is alive. He's raised from the dead. God is real and he loves us. And the gospel is true. You're supposed to be having signs in your individual life, in your family, on the job. Don't push something off on somebody, but somebody comes to you. A lot of times, they they don't know how to say it, but they know you're one of them. I said they know you're one of them. So they kind of casually at lunch tell you about how their shoulder's been hurting them so bad. Kind of hoping maybe you might say something. Or how their stomach's been. Now don't don't come across pushy and don't come across religious. You might just you might just tell them how God healed you or something. You might say, Yeah, you know, boy, I had a, a knee that bothered me for for X amount of time, and the Lord healed my knee. And don't blink and don't quiver your voice when you say the Lord. Hmm. And the Lord, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, Jesus. And you know, we believe in healing. And you can tell if somebody's open to it, you say, would, would you like me to pray for you? And if they don't want you to, well, don't push it. But if they do, it don't, sometimes it don't take 30 seconds. I mean, you know, it could take a minute. Just grab their hand or, or you know, it don't, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. You've got to be led and see what the Lord leads you in every situation. You know, sometimes you can just put a hand on a shoulder or, or just you take their hand. That's laying on of hands. You're in contact. Is that right? And you say, Lord, I just ask you to heal this man.
Yeah, you don't have to quote a bunch of scripture. You don't have to uh, use any Greek or Hebrew words or anything. Or any these or thou's or durst or canst thou or nothing. <laughs> Just, Lord, would you, would you heal this man that works by me here in the factory here? Would you, Lord, uh, we're asking you, make this whole in Jesus' name. If it's a, if it's a cancer or something ought not be there, uh, you, you, you don't toy with it. You say, uh, you die. I command you to die, dry up in their body in Jesus' name. Then what do you do? What do you do? Jesus, you're up. <laughs> you will see, I'm telling you, I know it sounds too easy, but this just it's just this easy. You will see, especially people who don't know him are real are real babies. He don't require much out of them. He requires very little if they'll just open the door just this much. He'll do a miracle. You'll be having more fun you ever had in your life. I'm telling you, you'll go, Glory to God. That thing just disappeared right there at lunch break. It's happened. It'll happen again. It's supposed to happen with you. 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 Who's the scripture to? Them that believe. Not preacher scriptures. Believer scriptures. Are you a believer? Hold up your hand. Them that believe. So then after the Lord had spoken to them who? Believers. Verse 20. They went forth. Who? Believers. See people have made this an apostle verse. There were more than apostles who saw and heard this. He was seen by over 500 brethren. Are you listening now? They all. They went forth. And they proclaimed everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word and with signs following. He approved what they said. He said, lay hands on the sick. They did. He approved it. He said, in my name you'll cast it out. They did. He approved it. Oh, can you say amen? Amen. So much of the signs and wonders are supposed to be happening outside the church. Not just in the services, outside, on the job, in the marketplace, at home, all the time. And do not scrunch up and think you've got to, you know, do. No, no. Just do what he said and then back out, get out of the way and expect him to do it. And you will be a man or a woman approved of God. And he'll confirm what he said through you with miracles and signs and wonders. Can you stand up and say amen? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord's starting something here. I'm telling you, glory to God. Oh, we're going to have kolam batasti, ele breneski di elefo mamasa, ebegren di anosti oteshi, etala, ablasta, atoshti, odoshnia, antandia nemele, estiel gofadorache. This is the beginning of a new flow with you. This is the beginning of an increase in signs and wonders and miracles. 
Take heed to the word. Hearken to it. Receive it and say, yes, this word's for me. Yes, I receive this word for myself. Yes, I will be a doer of this word. And you'll surely see that the Spirit of the Lord will come on you and teach you what to say and anoint your mind and anoint your hands and healing will flow and deliverance will come and the word of God will be confirmed and the Lord Jesus will be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him some. Lord, we bless You. Lord, we glorify You. Lord, we magnify You, praise You. Oh, Sahili Danasti. Praise You, 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 praise You. Glory to God. What key you?